All right, sir. How are you today? Good, buddy. How are you? Good. You're all turtlenecked up there, up in the the bitter cold northeast, huh? We yeah, had a chilly. Cold, we had a man. chilly morning. I think we were in like high fifties, low sixties this morning. Oh wow, well, that's cool. Yeah. I love yeah. that temperature. Yeah, it was uh, much cooler than that. Um, yeah. So it's probably you know, our last cool day here. Yeah. So who knows? Uh, I had a little surprise uh, over the weekend. What happened? Well, it was, uh, a gentleman reached out to me named Amir on Telegram, and somehow I guess my one of my uh, wallet addresses is public. I think through an ENS that I used to have or something. I don't know, whatever. Anyway, he said, "Hello, sir. You know you have uh, uh, you received an optimism airdrop." And you have, uh, uh, you're eligible for 800 and something OP. And I was like, no, I didn't know that. And he's like, if you, if you claim it, I would appreciate a reward for notifying you. So of course I went and checked it out. And then I checked all my other wallets. So I cleared about, uh, $4,200 yesterday, uh, for nice. free OP. So I did reward him, uh, sent him a, sent him a nice, uh, tip a little more than, a little more than 10% because I felt like, you know, I probably wouldn't have known about it. I, I may have heard about it. But anyway, if you don't know about it, uh, Optimism on the 9th did airdrop number two. Um, I'll put the link in the uh, show notes, but uh, you just come in here, connect your wallet, and um, it will uh, let you know uh, where it is. It's uh, app.optimism.io forward slash airdrop forward slash check. Connect your wallet, and you'll uh, you'll see if you're uh, you're eligible. I was eligible. This this wallet was eligible because I donated to uh, Gitcoin grants uh, on ETH Layer One, and I've also voted in. I've participated in some DAOs and done some voting. So, uh, oh, nice. That's two of the criteria: multi-sig signers, priced out of Ethereum. I don't know. Used bridges while being a regularly active user on L1. Ah, opt I have done that, though. I guess that one, yeah. the right bridge. I don't know. Uh, used an optimism bridge prior to June 23rd, 2021. Or you've repeatedly used apps on optimism uh, between June 23rd, 2021 and March 25th, 2022. So you guys may have money sitting out there. Go get it. Um, uh, like I said, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, but if you want to type it in right now because you want the cash, let me uh, put it up. Let me put it up. Create a banner. Add banner. There's the there's the address for those of you that would like to see if you got some available cash money. So yeah, I remember checking that one before, and I was like, the only thing I had done was bridge because I don't even think I've ever been on Optimism, and I certainly haven't voted in any DAOs. At least I don't think I have, you know, unless we're doing something on Doki Doki, if there was any voting going on there. Um, and then it's bridging, yes. Layer one. Yeah, yeah lots of bridging. Layer, layer one. Yeah. Well, you should show this is another airdrop, so maybe they changed the criteria this time around. Uh, yeah, sounds so, cool. Thanks. So this is a new one. Yeah. No, look, I mean, nothing like having a Sunday, finding out on a Sunday you got an extra 4200 bucks in your pocket. Yeah, it pays for your uh, backyard fire pit. <laughs> <laughs> but i didn't tell my wife because she'd just start buying more shit for the backyard so yeah you know. yeah i bet she knows now yeah. yeah are you kidding me you think she has ever listened to this show she never yeah she might hear you in the other room though nah, she mother-in-law's getting knee replacement surgery today so Ooh. I'm, I'm actually, that's my heart. That's why I have to hard stop today at 1245 because I'm uh, headed out, headed out. Mm. Um, in We have a guest today. Uh, yep. Somebody, what's the name of it? B&B Greenfield, Decentralized yes. Data Storage System and Economy. And this is another podcaster that we met through a connection at... Um, Purple Squirrel Media, I believe. Matt. Yeah, at, uh, where were we? Quantum, quantum, quantum Miami. Thank you. Thank you very yep. much. Brain is not functional today. Had about four hours sleep. So it's all on you today, Joe. Yeah. Well, luckily we have a guest. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I had a, I was, uh, was at a birthday party on Saturday night and just, you know, running all over the place the last four days. So it's been, uh, you know, I'm a little, uh, scattered myself, but you know, it's funny. I saw you in there at six o'clock on telegram this morning and I was like, Oh my gosh, Brad must have stayed up all night. You <laughs> don't see him around this early. <laughs> no, I'm up that early every day taking kids to school, but, uh, that's right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Paxos, uh, the SEC came after him as well as uh, New York DFS came after them uh, end of last week over the weekend. So uh, uh, New York DIFUS came after them, told them to stop printing BUSD. So that's going to impact Binance, who just recently moved to using all BUSD on their pairs. Um, CZ is saying, you know, look, we'll find other options. There are plenty of stable coins out there and they may print somewhere else or they, who knows, maybe they'll go to a decentralized model. Um, but, um, you know, I'd love to see them uh, adopt bean. Um, that'd be pretty cool if they, uh, went decentralized that that'd be actually pretty awesome. But, um, Anyway, SEC is going after Paxos for stablecoins, calling it a security. And there's quite a bit of debate going on currently with uh, Gabriel Shapiro. Um, this quotes from uh, from Kraken, but he Gabriel claims one of my favorite legal authorities on Twitter for crypto. He claims that um, he can see easily how the SEC makes a case for um stable coins being a security because the the collateralized ones like paxos are essentially money market funds but there have been a lot of people pushing back and saying well the user the end user doesn't have any sense of a gain uh, from from an investment contract there is no gain for them that you you put in a dollar and you can get a dollar in a stable coin and you take the stable coin and you get another dollar back out um, there's no, there's no, there's no thought that they're going to make money on the stablecoin. Um, now Paxos makes money on the stablecoin. That's their business model. They take the deposits, they earn interest on them elsewhere, and then you know that's how they make money supporting stablecoins. Um, so anyway, it's going to be very interesting. The really interesting thing for me is whether Paxos decides to fight them or not, um, because we had last week Kraken. Uh, bail and pay a $30 million fine um, for uh, their um, staking operation and they're ending their ETH staking operation. Um, so Jesse Powell, the former CEO, the founder of Kraken, has been out making quite a few comments. Basically, he's saying that, that the SEC waited to go after them until they had done a 30% layoff and the SEC already had access to their balance sheet. So knew how much money they had on hand. But my question is this, if you truly believe as he claims to believe that what they created was, um, yes, it was custodial, but they're not doing anything except taking it and staking the coins, right? There's not like, uh, the, the, the interest earned doesn't come from something that Kraken created. The interest earned comes from the way the Ethereum network functions. So the users are earning from that. Kraken hasn't created a security product is kind of the argument that people are making um, because they're just using what's available on the network. But my, my question is, was it going to cost you $30 million to fight the SEC in court? I mean, you know, look, this crackdown's been telegraphed for three years from yeah. so many people. And, you know, now they're finally doing it. I'm not really surprised. I'm not saying I agree with it all, but, um, you know, whether it's the, the, anything retail facing is, you know, they're going after it. Um, I wouldn't take it like they were waiting to, for the 30% layoff, as, as Jesse says. I, they don't care about that. They can bring the hammer anytime they want, even if, you know, um, Pax, or excuse me, um, Kraken was at its peak. I think what's interesting, though, is that, I mean, you could definitely see them circling the wagons around, um, well, not the wagons, but circling around uh, Binance and CZ, yeah. um, you know, and then there was two other things I thought was interesting. A lot of people are saying that there's a, you know, USDC is getting ready to get pounded. And I kind of always thought they were in the okay spot just because of their, 
you know, uniqueness of their token and what it can do within wallets and things like that. And then the second thing I thought was funny was sort of humorous was that when I saw Brian Armstrong tweeting from the Senate Dirksen building saying that his meetings were canceled. His meeting was canceled. He's in the cafeteria. If anyone wants to talk about crypto and I was thinking, I wonder who canceled that that meeting on him. Yeah. So he's basically going in there to argue about staking and yield and all of that. And they just pulled the plug on him. So, you know, to me, that's a lot of ominous signaling. um, If you're in any of those types of plays. So, you know, adjust your risk accordingly, obviously. Well, look, we have the pressure on the banks happening. Um, you know, choke point 2.0, as Nick Carter calls it. We've got them going after Paxos or N slash Binance. Um, we've got them going after Kraken, right? Um, yep. I would USDC. say no wor- yeah, yeah, I would say no worries, except for the fact that the on-ramps are the critical factor, right? I'm, I'm not too worried about these centralized exchanges you know, not allowing, not being allowed to have a staking operation. But, but what I am concerned about is them basically going after crypto to shut it all down by blocking the on-ramps. All of that said, you know, companies have to make decisions for their own bottom line and their own shareholders when they make a decision whether to fight the SEC. But there's only been two projects I can think of that said, fuck you, SEC. I'm come, I'm going to fight you. Library and Lost and XRP. Well, you know. And don't forget about Kick. Remember Kick? Oh, yeah. Kick. You know, kick. Did they actually they even really it. fight it or did they just did they just settle eventually anyway? Well, they had to settle because they were just, you know, um, talking a lot of um, tough talk that they were going to fight it. But then, you know, they just got wicked hammered again. You know, it's like if you get in those crosshairs and you start fighting, they just turn the screws, keep turning the screws until you have right. to cave. And, what, you know, yeah, that and was- I get that. But, you know, Brian Armstrong was saying the other day that he will fight, um, that, that they will fight. Now, when it comes down to it, he's a publicly traded company. So that may not be the case when it comes down to the to the tightening of the screws, as you say. But I mean, he- here's the thing. <laughs> If you if the SEC comes after five or six or seven companies all at the same time, they don't have the resources to to fight all of those simultaneously in court. So they're they are going to have a problem if people will start fighting them like XRP has, right? But so far, you know, look, Jesse Powell is a hardcore Bitcoiner. Um, you know, freedom, libertarian, everything else. And he caved faster than anybody. <laughs> it's yeah. like, you know, and it's just like, if, Paper if, tiger, nobody, man. if the hard, yeah, if the hardcore crypto guys aren't willing to fight this shit, then, you know, we might as well surrender now and all move to fucking Europe or Asia because this shit is, you know, the, this, this motherfucker is, uh, uh, on a mission to make sure it's just him and Bitcoin at the end of all of it. And he gets to play middleman for Bitcoin. But this was funny. Um, uh, Gensler comes out saying, you know, we have forms on our website. All they had to do was apply and all they had to do was come in and talk to us. And Jesse Powell said, oh man, all I had to do was fill out a form and a website and tell people that staking rewards were coming for staking. Wish I'd seen this video before paying a $30 million fine and agreeing to permanently to shut down the service in the US. How dumb do I look? I mean, it's like Gensler, it's like, seriously, did why do you, how do you keep repeating that shit with a straight face? You know that everyone knows in this space that there is no point in coming to talk to you because you don't operate in good faith. So I don't know, I don't know how the fuck he continues to be able to get away with saying that. And not a single reporter says, uh, excuse me, here's what's happened when Brian Armstrong tried to come talk to you. Here's what happened when everyone comes to try to talk to you, you fuck them over. So anyway. Well, yeah, I, I sort of agree with some of that. Um, but I think that, look, the, it's up to the Congress. I mean, all you hear is a bunch of yelling and, you know, the, all these new clowns in the House of Reps saying they're going to take Gensler to task. But, you know, none of them are doing anything. No. So to me, it's like you got to set the framework. I mean, there's no new. I mean, hopefully something comes out of the Ripple stuff, but there's no real. You know, they're still relying on Howie test. I mean, not not just sec but you know companies making quotes from like what it was that 1936 or something or 
I don't know, 40 something. I can't even remember, but you know, how could you even, whatever side you're on, how does that even meet the smell test today? Right. You know, Absolutely. I mean, I got it during the ICO stuff. It was a rationalization for how to take the jobs act into retail fundraising without accredited people. So it worked for that argument. And, but now it's five years later, you know, I would, the thought that people would be more sophisticated on both sides. Um, but, you know, look, like we said before, crypto London, um, you know, Hong Kong, places like that, you can go do this stuff legally. So, um, yep. you know, with bank, with bank interest rates going up on cash deposits, I don't see how people are going to keep getting yield on these things. You know, even if you're doing a staking model at Coinbase, I mean, like, or Kraken or any of these, like, where do they get the yield? I mean, they got to take the tokens and stake them somewhere else. So, you know, it's kind of like, you know, whether it's nodes or it's, you know, some other platform, those yields are all going to collapse. So, you know, the next thing is you'd only be able to take that if you were cracking and you were say, okay, you'd only be able to take it to other US-based protocols that were also compliant. So there's going to be no yield. You know, right. it's like, there's not any, so with are not, you know, bank model, remember, pay 3% on the deposits, lend it out at 6%. So somebody's got to come up with a model that is well, look, sort I, of I internalized. Mean, yeah, it, go ahead. But here's the thing. It, look, it, if you're speculating that Phantom, Ethereum, Avalanche, Avalanche, all the ones that have validator nodes and that allow for liquid staking, um, products like Rockapool that allow you to do a decentralized, Lido's probably going to come under pressure here. <clears throat> but But if you believe that those tokens are going to have more value in the future, then the payout of five or six or four percent on those is worth far more than what you're going to get from a bank because you're betting on not only the five or six percent you're getting but you're also betting on the future value of those tokens right so yeah. that re that return is far greater than what you can get from a bank look at the end Maybe. of the day at the end of the day gensler is out to shut it down because when he gets out of this whole thing he wants to be the middleman and that is that is all that he cares about and as long as people in this industry let him ride over them we're, we're never going to get clarity in the united states and so you're right there are other places that people are going to have to go so sean says these issues are not the issues these risks over shitcoin land mean no institutional money no institutional money no shitcoin bill run these need to be resolved one way or the other yeah look i mean institutions aren't going to come in if they think gensler is going to come down on everybody um so you're right but <clears throat> Again, these are all centralized operations. Uh, Niblet says, right, so, does right. so, do, so does money leave the space to see how things shake out or does it move into DeFi where it can be a more anonymous? Uh, look, I mean, I think everybody that was focused on centralized was earning their staking yield. Yeah, I would gather maybe 10% go searching for DeFi because they understand what DeFi is and the rest of them don't have a fucking clue what DeFi is. So, Well, um, I would say th there are a few institutional DeFi plays out there. And I think it's expressly because of what we just talked about, that the yields are collapsing on the centralized plays, the custody yeah. plays. So yeah. they've got to go out and get yield somewhere else. And, you know, we talk about those protocols a lot. And so to me, I'm like, you know, they got to start looking more in those areas where, you know, you can do more things to get yield. Um, otherwise, you know, I mean, because it's going to take three or four years for, you know, say regulators to figure out, you know, where the vulnerabilities are in those protocols, if they ever yep. can. So, you hey, know, Joe, Joe our ahead. guest is here. Awesome. All right. Hello, Dylan. Hi. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. I'm doing well. Cool, hey, man. Dylan. Do you want to use your full name on the show or how, how do you want to be referred to? Yeah, that's fine. Dylan. I'm Dylan Kowalik. Hey, Dylan, welcome aboard. Uh, we met you through um, our attendance of Quantum um, and uh, got connected up because Matthew. you're, yeah, Matthew, because you're, um, you're building in the space. I think you have a show in the space. And so uh, it was great. It's great to connect up with you, man. Yeah, brother. Thank you. Um, yeah, just thanks for just having me on the show. And it's really cool. Sure. I see what you're doing. And I see you have Project Greenfield up. So yeah, um, I'm happy to be here, and, and thank you to Matt. Matt's awesome. Me and Matt met in uh, consensus last year. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh. He's a master networker, man. That guy just is relentless. No, yeah. Yeah, no, his, yeah his company, um, for the listeners, is Purple Squirrel Media, Matthew Karstens. Great guy. 
Yeah, he's a legend. So, so Dylan, tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into all this, and then let's dive into what uh, B&B Greenfield is. Yeah, for sure. Um, so <clears throat> I'm going to uh, go back to like the Harmony days. You know, I joined the developer DAO back in 2020 and then uh, was elected in for like the last year. And we um, did the Zero Knowledge University, which I joined, and then I took part of that. And um, so I started getting really deep into zero knowledge proofs. I loved uh, the the mission statement that Discrete Labs had put out, which was the Fendora Foundation. And then they were saying that you know there was a possibility that Bitcoin should have actually been private at the start, and that was probably one of the missing technologies that were just not viably avail available at that time. Right. And so I joined their team and I said, "What do you guys have going on?" And they said, "Well, we have a zk UTXO." So we're actually trying to make Bitcoin private and fully anonymous, but then we have the ability to audit our privacy uh, statements. And so I got really deep into auditing their their code library, which was um, based on TurboPlunks and Bulletproofs, which was the same semantic that Monero uses for their privacy. Oh, wow, very nice. So, yeah, so so Discrete Labs was actually the inventor of Bulletproofs, which was then implemented into Monero. And so we were working on the next iteration, which was full triple masking privacy into having your actual address be uh, hidden for EVM compatible chains. And nice. so we got super far into it. Yeah. And and then we got some DApps working. We did the hackathon last in ETH Denver. Uh, and then, you know, we, we just worked throughout the whole year. And that was awesome. And then um, ZKBNB uh, reached out and they were like, hey, let's let's have you on the team. We're doing a ZK rollup and um, I joined their team. And then, you know, this project, Project Greenfield, kind of got put in my lap really recently. And <laughs> I was like, okay, this sounds really badass, actually, because I I like the, the fact that we can finally interface with cloud applications um, with smart contracts. And I was uh, trying to think of ways to implement privacy into this and thinking how we can have anonymous file transfers in the decentralized cloud of things. Like if I wanted to send you a Google Drive link without anybody seeing it or like really having restricted access in the cloud, um, that's kind of what we're trying to think about doing. And that's what Project Greenfield ultimately is. It's a decentralized cloud storage network. Nice. Very nice. Can you uh, can you run through, let's run through from the top there that, that it's a, de uh, a decentralized cloud storage network. Do you mean it's um, connecting to existing storage providers and it just kind of uh, records data about that on the blockchain or it's an entire storage facility somehow separate from, from standard uh, storage providers? Yeah. You're almost on the money, actually. So yeah, so anybody can actually become a storage provider. And we see anybody having their own service level agreement when they actually start asking their clients to start storing their data on their nodes. And so there's an entire peer-to-peer -peer network of storage nodes inside of the Project Greenfield chain. It is its own blockchain aside from the rest of the other blockchains that oh, wow. BNB makes up of. And so we call this the Greenfield chain and it actually has its own set of new validators. And so these validators are validating blocks and these blocks, it's not an EVM compatible chain, but it does hold metadata and such as like 721. So right. ERC 721, which is like the standard of NFT, we call it the BEP 721. And so we have the same exact thing in this chain. And your NFTs, essentially, when you put in data on Greenfield, on a storage provider, it copies a metadata fragment, a segment, a piece, right, a container, and it makes that data object into an equivalent metadata piece on the blockchain. And now what I can do is say, hey, smart contract on layer one on BNB, can you interface with the permissions of my data stored object on Greenfield? And yes, you can. So I can set permissions, I can take off permissions, I can get data, I can delete data, I can move data, I can do anything I want with smart contracts interacing, interfacing with the cloud application. And that cloud application could be anything. So anything you think an SW3, uh, which is like Amazon or a cloud Azure or Google Cloud, anything that you can think of in terms of backend and front end services for like storage and data, you can do now with, um, with like, uh, a smart contract you can interact with those systems uh in from the back end <clears throat> with a contract living on the blockchain very nice wow. now is, is this like all up and running and going right now are you guys in the middle of development what, what's the status of the project 
we're super close. Um, yeah. This has been in the works for a long time, and now uh, we actually just uh, announced that we're you know we're doing um, some sort of a close partnership with AWS in in doing this. And there's others that are going to be jumping on board too. That I I don't know if I can say yet, but um, there are other really major. Uh, companies in the space, decentralized storage networks in the space that want to just jump into this because it's, again, it's open to anybody. It's radically decentralized. It's nice. like, it's anybody can be a storage provider and have their own service agreements. And if somebody, someone storage provider wants to offer greater privacy and security and control to their users, they can. If the other one wants to make it seem like, yeah, well, everything that you put on, we're just going to analyze and track your data like a Google. Like they can say that to people too, but then there are rebates. So people... This, the cool thing is, is that all of this is still working with the BNB token and you have the option to either permanently store or delete the data. So now there is a rebate faction inside of all of this. So I can actually get money back for deleting data off the cloud. So I don't need to store data forever if I, if I don't need to. So I'm going to be using it for a decentralized podcast. I'm going to be trying to like put like, you know, data in the cloud, which is way cheaper in a decentralized storage network sure. and then pull it off. And then since for a terabyte on Google, it costs, I think, like $10 a month, it would only cost you 79 cents a month. Wow. And then you would also just take it off and you can get rebates. And we don't have an exact percentage yet, but yes, you will get money back for taking money. I mean, sorry, for taking data off the cloud and you would get your money back. So that's... So Go ahead. So, so, so the, the idea is this, and let me make sure I, I, because I know there are other kind of models in the data storage world, um, that, that are, that are out there, but the, the, the incentives here are, are as follows. If I'm a user, I have a way to storage, store data much, much more cheaply. Um, and having that data be available, um, via the blockchain and via kind of interfaces. So people could build all kinds of interfaces for like um, Dropbox-like interfaces. Um, you have examples here of, uh, so that'd be personal cloud storage, website hosting, um, publishing, social media, whatever. Um, so I can store much cheap, more cheaply and potentially uh, anonymously um, on BNB. Um, now I've forgotten the name of your project. That's embarrassing. So Greenfield. Greenfield. Yeah. 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 Um, but at the same time, I could be a storage provider. I could spend up a VPS at a, a, at, a, at a facility or have my own facility, provide storage here, and I will get paid, uh, I assume, I'm making assumptions here, I'll get paid by people that are utilizing the storage, and I can have my own set of uh, agreements with users on kind of how that is storage, security, whatever it might be, um, and do I set my own prices if I'm a storage provider? So we don't have the exact pricing model out right now. And that's actually still in the works because it's um, we're seeing the value in it, but we're also trying to make it as fair and economically viable as possible because it, sure. it is disruptive. Like if you start putting out a, a completely open source, decentralized cloud storage network for everybody to use, that's just as crazy as like making AWS free. Like it, it, it it's insane. So we're trying to be as careful as possible. But yes, like you are the one who does set the terms of agreement. So if there is, if you want to give your clients, you know, more data or more bandwidth for a greater price, like it's just, it's just like, you know, the rewards that you get from validators. So when you stay right. to a validator, you can get more or less depending on their, you know, they, they control it. So it's the same thing. Like we advise storage providers to actually be competitive with one another, which is healthy in terms of like, you know, growing. And that's what we expect actually, because now storage providers have their own tools. I think I would say if they're going to host web services or cloud storages, or you're going to be able to have maybe an RSA feed for your podcast, maybe there's a storage provider that like provides this instead of you using Libsyn or instead of you using like Cyberduck, maybe they already have a backend where when you post your stuff, maybe your you know, podcasts get automatically published to these same platforms. And that's just what the storage provider provides. They provide some sort of API for you. That's sure. exactly what they do. So they, hmm. they provide their own sets of services and you get to choose which one you store your data to. And if you want to move it, there's no penalty. You get to move your data at any time to other storage providers. And that's the freedom and the control that you have. And all of it is encrypted.
That's awesome. So you you guys envision that each of the data storage providers will have their own APIs, their own interfaces to access the data. So theoretically, a podcast provider, a services provider could use Greenfield for storage of their clients' podcasts. Um, but the the people that are doing the podcast would know that they were stored um, via the system on the blockchain, um, and they could move it when they wanted to, etc. But there won't be any like generalized interface to this. This will be more about the community building uh, different kinds of use case interfaces to what the network provides. Is that correct? It's um, yeah. There's a there's a nice little sweet spot right in the middle. It's we call it the Greenfield D apps. So Greenfield D apps are are applications that interface with the cloud data, the stored objects. And we call them buckets and groups. So when you have a bucket, you put objects in that bucket, like an apple inside of a basket. And then certain people get to pick those apples. So those are called group permissions. So certain people have accounts and those accounts basically give me and you the ability to pick that apple. But if I say you can't pick that apple, Brad, then you can't. And that's what the smart contract allows for me to do. So my account on BNB is the equivalent to the BNB account on Greenfield. So any permission, I have more control over the DApp interface, actually, because if I connect my wallet, if one of the permissions says disconnect the wallet anytime you use a dApp, then it will. It has to abide by those permissions because the metadata says so on the Greenfield chain. And the validators are basically relaying this information through what's known as the resource mirror. All of these details will just be like explained further. We're going to release more stuff eventually. But these are the highly technical details of how the architecture works. But it works as you imagine it with this whole interface of working with contracts and storage. Okay. So it so you are providing some level of interface, but for the most part it'll be interacting with 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 the providers who are providing the storage and they'll have their use cases and models around that. Yeah, you would mainly you as a you as a user would really only just interact with your primary storage provider. It's the primary okay. storage provider who has a bunch of secondary storage providers. Got it. And they have what's known as like uh, data availability has to get segmented. So when I store data, it gets split up and we call it segmentation. So you segment the data and then there are data blocks and these data blocks get stored on all these secondary providers and some of it is redundant. So that way the data is always available in case one of the storage providers goes down because that's always mm. a possibility. Then sure. there's always redundant parity data. So that way I can always get back my data in case that ever gets deleted. And that's so, awesome. hmm. I, uh, I yeah, so we have... We have a lot of the, the the best working pieces that we looked at all the other DSNs and we're trying to solve for a lot of those same problems while also making it sustainable. We don't I don't necessarily think, um, you know, just making free storage, <laughs> it makes any sense. Um, you have to have some limitations and there has to be uh, a, a way where it can be sustainable over the long term and also cheap enough and cheaper than a centralized cloud storage network. So that's exactly where this fits in it's not it's not the best in terms of like how you store data in terms of your pricing but that mm-hmm. that's actually better because now i can actually assure myself that the storage providers are getting network fees and they are collecting you know something for working on the network and then validators are also getting a lot of these fees as well and then clients have the same exact rebate opportunities so we call this the data owned economy um so there has to be Tokens have to be shared and, and so on and so forth. So we're going to talk more about these like greenfield economics eventually. I don't have all the details on it, but I want it to be as specific as possible. So Sure. Do you guys, um, and you said this is going to be operating, utilizing BNB uh, as the token for the project? Yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. So, Very cool. Yeah, the BNB token is a cloud token now, essentially. Great. And, it, and in, in testnet, will shouldn't be around, I think I would buy the end of March. So nice. we're, yeah, you're going to be able to at least test the API and just see how it works um, by that time. Yeah. Do you guys envision you'll have a marketplace? Sorry, Joe. Do you guys envision you'll have a marketplace of of providers where you guys will kind of list everybody that's building on on it and people can find what they need? Oh, I mean, absolutely. Um, okay. Yeah, like BNB already did this with DApp Bay. So we already have all the DApps in a single website. So I imagine like nice. a single repository of providers you know like something like where you get to go to a staking site i imagine the same thing with storage provision Hmm. nice sorry joe go ahead no no that's cool i just want to ask a quick question dylan 
So I was talking to another group a few weeks ago and um, they're working in like mobile um, and cloud and all of that and being able to move from across all those platforms like drag and drop, but it, it's encrypting it as it goes to the other platforms so that the, you know, the storage provider uh, can't read it either. Um, and when you said it, yours is encrypted earlier, I presume that's the same thing. Is that right? So um, what I mean by encryption is erasure encoding. So this is the Reed Solomon encryption. So this is basically means that when when data is in transit, the data um, is what it says that it is. So it's verifiably correct. So your data is secure. There is no way that the data is not what it says that it is. Now it's up to the storage okay. provider to offer these sorts of permissions to make your data then thus private. But we are enabling some of these factors and we are talking to partners right now to enable this level of privacy and, and encryption. And it does not say it in the white paper. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't want anyone to think that I'm saying that, you know, your data is private in sure. this cloud. So it will be because it is something that a service can then offer. And that's where yeah. we speak to special people, like people who are experts in their field um, to come over and to talk about with us hey, like, how do you imagine a data-owned economy? Well, some say we need it to be private. Some some say we need it to be more like AWS and Google, right? right. We have mm -hmm. people across the board with different opinions. You know, I just want to say another thing. It's so funny. I don't know if you heard the first part of the show when we were talking about, you know, the various crackdowns. And, you know, Brad, this is like a perfect example where, you know, this is the type of thing that we need to all be focused in is this type of technology, the real decentralized technology across, you know, every sort of um, uh, platform that we're looking at, you know, storage, um, money transmittal, all of it, because this is where we've always really wanted to get is to this level. You know, it's the interim solutions, the short term ones that are sort of been marketed toward trade five folks that are all getting in trouble now. So it's just refreshing to see these these types of opportunities out there that are coming down the pipe that I think solve a lot of the problems that we're always grappling with today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Dylan, how many uh, how many folks are on the team building this thing? Um, I think so far I've counted a f maybe like half a dozen, but I don't okay. know everybody on the team. Yeah, I, I, okay. uh, I, I there's there is a lot of people. Um, in and around the BNB network. So yeah, I only yeah. get to speak to some of them. I was actually the first United States uh, network Team. employee um, ever. So wow. I was excited about it, but everyone is like nine hours and 12 hours away from me. So I don't ever get to see them. <laughs> what, um, and, and this came out of, again, where, where did this, this project came out of another project or it's just been, you know, the founders started it and, and it was, um, it's just its own thing. Was there is there some kind of a tie to uh, the BNB chain team in any way, or is this just kind of something that was started separately? No. So that that's actually the really interesting thing when joining the team. I joined super recently, <clears throat> and even the zk BNB project was some random amount of people who just pitched it, and they were like, "Hey, we think we need to roll up on BNB chain." And, you know, some, some, some people, I don't know who exactly, but they're just like, okay, we'll, we'll vest into it. We support it. And it actually has to go through the B, BIP process. Right. So you have to, um, you have to have a, like a, a proposal be set and saying, Hey, do we want to improve the BNB network by adding another chain? And then the people say yes or no. So it right. goes through that process first. And then there are core engineers who figure out how this would work. And then they talk to the right investors to put the time and the effort into that. And then I think it goes straight to production and then it takes like six, seven months to, to build. So this was something really similar where we had massive experts in like the fields of, you know, Google and cloud and uh, all these certain technologies kind of come on board and say, Hey, we want to build something really radical. And they, um, they said, yes, you know, like it was kind of crazy. I was in the process of writing technical articles for this when they didn't even say yes to it yet. Like it was, it was funny because we were just like, okay, so this is, um, this is going to be crazy. We don't know if uh, this is really the 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 move forward. But BNB always had this like a level of criticism that it was like too centralized, and I th really think that this was the, um, you know, what's the term where it's like, you know, this is the 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 ball in the hoop type of thing where it's just like they needed to shoot a shot that was so far from left field that needed right. to radically decentralize this idea. And I love the direction actually because. Um, I, I think about it from more of like a DApp perspective. 
and now I have a radically decentralized cloud storage network, and then I can interface with smart contracts in any way that I want. And um, and I think that'll just be a better overall experience for this particular ecosystem. And I think that's gonna also enable other ecosystems as well. So I'm excited to see how this translates and influences the rest of the industry, because it mm -hmm. will. Now that's amazing. You know, I think one yeah. of the things that's that you know you were talking about kind of the reputation of BNB. Look, the, the whether fair or not, the the other part of the reputation of BNB is that it's a bunch of copy pasta protocols. You know, not a lot of innovation happening. I, I don't think that's fair, but but that's just kind of the rep. So I think a project like this really and BNBZK really um, is an opportunity for the rest of the space to see that in fact, you know, there's a lot more going on from a technical perspective on BNB and, and more sophisticated stuff. And projects that are launching as radically decentralized um, will do a lot, I think, to kind of boost uh, the overall brand of the chain itself. I agree with you. And, and just to kind of touch on one thing is like, you know, they, they're kind of building random like little side projects that no one adopts. Well, the thing is, is um, when I was getting onboarded, the number one thing that they taught me for like the first three weeks was security. So crypto yeah. security and how to actually like even exist on the Internet in, a, in the most secure way, how to protect my my passwords and everything. Right. So everything that they build is centered towards more security more than anything else. So the mission of BNB isn't to build and break shit. It's to build and make sure that it's going to be long-term and sustainable because they don't want to have to build it again. And so everything that we build as a network has to go through a really long, arduous process of saying, okay, is this the best implementation of that existing title, tech, whatever it might be? So when ZKBNB got launched, that was because one particular team, Zecrae, had the most secure solution for a ZK rollup. And we nice. weren't going to just fork Polygon and say, all right, now we have a ZK rollup when <laughs> it's really up in the air with whether or not that's going to be a safe option. Let's say, let's be honest, like they don't even know if it's going to be audited correct by next month. Like they're right. still worried that their audits are not even the most like most accurate. And they have to spend a lot of internal resources, not external resources, to get that audited primarily. And so we have to have and make sure that anything that is decentralized and in the hands of the public, everybody can be a public member using anything. So if you want to make sure that if anyone on the planet, good or bad, that's the subjective thing, you have to make it secure regardless. Because yep. nobody is going to trust it if it's not a secure use of their time. And like that's even what a trader thinks. So everything when it comes to the trade of any traditional finance has to be secure. And otherwise, mm -hmm. there's no point in using it. So yeah, yeah. it's your money. It's you, you don't want to just throw your money into the air and let it disappear. Exactly. No, absolutely. This looks fantastic, man. Do you know, um, is the team uh, looking for, are you building a community? Are you hiring people? What is there a way people can get involved with the project? Or um, is that further down the line as you guys get closer to launch? No, we're super like down to talk to anybody to like think about storage provision and how to uh, get this into their hands. You know, um, I know that there's a couple of I can't I can't name existing companies, mm -hmm. but anybody who's very interested in the data owned economy and like even Dow payment systems and Dow data storage right? Like how does a community own a single website and participate in the building of it or something? Or maybe it's um, like something where I actually have like a research repository of information and then I execute certain permissions on that data to then commit or to delete data, right? Mm -hmm. Or if there are maybe ex external um, payment solutions that I have to use a permission based system and then the smart contract issues payments based off of cloud data not just on chain data that could also be a lot faster and you can multiply and distribute tokens in a much more fair way across different accounts so really really depends like there are a, at least 100 use cases because this is cloud technology uh, but now you have to combine your head with cloud and smart contracts and think of new solutions and we're looking for innovators nice. that's what we're looking for so, so there are p projects that are out there building on it now or are preparing for it. Um, and there would be opportunities from a biz dev perspective for you guys to reach out and bring in others that may have ideas to build on this. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's like great. they're it's it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's this I'm going to sound like a complete idiot, but that that's never stopped me on this show uh, before. <laughs> um it's just it's just clicking for me that this is actually like an official B&B chain project. Like this is yeah. like coming from that team. It is not a secondary project that was launched and has partnered with B&B chain. It is actually your website is actually built into the menu and navigation system of the entire B&B chain website it is a part of the whole ecosystem every okay. single chain will be able to utilize greenfield yeah that's um that's that's pretty amazing so yeah. i i didn't even realize how 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 deep this was so that's fantastic to see and it's great to see bnb chain doing this um and uh fantastic to see uh to to meet you and get see how involved and excited you sound incredibly excited about working on this project man oh it's the coolest thing because i didn't think of myself as getting into computer science to one day end up working on a project like this like you think you're going to program some boring shit and then you end up doing really crazy stuff so yeah that's awesome that's really great well listen um, i would love to get you back on sometime and i hate to cut you short but i actually have a hard stop today unfortunately a little bit early um, but um, I would love to get back on with you and and learn more about it as things proceed and see how it's going. And maybe you could start telling us about at some point, you know, some of the projects that are building on it. We can talk about them and uh, learn more about what they're doing as well. Yeah, you're the best. Thank you so much and and letting me talk about it too. It's, it's uh, absolutely, yeah. man. Thanks so much, and we'll uh, we'll have you back on because I think uh, this looks really fascinating. It's making me want to take a deeper dive back into B and B chain, which I haven't done lately. So uh, thanks for coming on. Good. Yeah, and I see a lot of, uh, Dylan, I see a lot of interesting things here with, you know, the decentralized storage components in other um, vertical markets. And I'll send you a message directly to talk about that. But this is super exciting. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much. All right. Thanks, man. Have a good day. Bye, buddy. Mm Bye-bye. Well, that's pretty cool. Wow. That was refreshing. Yeah. I mean, I just love it when we run across these projects that, you know, we the first 10 minutes of the show is all doom and gloom, basically. <laughs> and then you come across a, a project like this and you're like, look, man, we got to be focusing on this. Who cares about yield on tokens and shit like that? I mean, that's just so like 2018. You know, this what? stuff is like where we want to go, you know, kind of thing. The privacy, the decentralization, um, in, able to interface with all the existing cloud platforms that are all about computes. And then having it, you know, I got I can think of someone that's doing that piece of encrypting the data onto those platforms. That would be an awesome hookup for them, an international guy. I mean, you think about genomics, think about all the data stuff. We talk about DNA privacy. I mean, there's so many things that can be done here. And it's so glad to, like, I'm so glad that we run across these some days just to pick up Monday, basically. You know? Yeah. Well, listen, and I mean. I, I am like I didn't realize until the very last minute that this was actually an official B and B chain project, right? And and look, I mean, I think he's new and he's trying to figure everything out that they're talking about. But I'm really fascinated by this thing. I'm going to take a much deeper dive, and I think it's really good for for the B and B chain brand overall that this is that this is being built, that resources are deployed to it, and it's it's working out. Euphoric said, "Nice interview and very interesting project." Niblet said, "Yeah, that was good. No hard sell, straight goods." And you notice there's no token. It's just bnb token right so um that's cool too um max life gives us a right. big thumbs up so overall, right now this, right now this is, yeah exactly this is great i'm excited about it joe and uh um definitely want to take a deeper dive and also makes me want to take another look at bnb it has been a very long time since i've done anything on yeah BNB chain so well once um, we all got kicked off of binance you know it was pretty much uh <laughs> forgot about that um but you know, look, the white paper's up. You can find it easily. Um, yep. it's, it's, just, it's, a, it's a good one too. Yeah, B and B Greenfield. And it, and it probably would have helped me if I actually looked at the URL that I clicked to get to the website, since the URL is bnbchain.org forward slash en forward slash Greenfield. So I'll put that link as well in the show notes. But that was fantastic. Great, 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 yeah. uh, great. You know, I kind of, I was kind of coming into this one a little blind. I was a little nervous. And uh, so uh, you did great. Yeah. No, no, you're, not that I not that I wouldn't do well. I just mean I didn't know <laughs> I didn't know what we were getting on the other side of the microphone, right? So I, oh I was like, yeah, you know so. yeah. When I read through the white paper the first time, I was like, this is this guy's going to be sharp. And then I kind of got lost with the birthday weekend celebrations, and uh, and I kind of came in forgetting about it today too. But then I was like, once he started talking about you know decentralized storage has always been something I've been interested in. 
you know, for since 20, you know, the early 2000s, um, but different concept, not on chain. It was obviously just one circulating. Um, but, you know, this solves a lot of problems. Well, if they I could, know you got to go. But. There's a lot of players. I mean, look, there's a lot of players trying to do decentralized file storage, we Filecoin, and, mm. and others. But um, their approach uh, is very interesting and very differentiated. And look, I mean, if you talk about here's the way if I if, if I were doing biz dev on this project and marketing on this project, <laughs> right, I would. I would be going to people who are doing storage like Anchor FM and anybody else that has a DAP, I mean, not a DAP, has a SaaS offering that has storage in it, file storage for users. File st I'd be saying, look, you're, you can up your margins for your monthly subscription and or increase the amount of storage you offer to customers because we're at less than one-tenth of what you're going to pay for AWS. And it's secure, it's duplicated, it's redundant, and it can even be encrypted and, and private eventually. So to me, mm -hmm. that's a really strong pitch. And that bridges, I mean, that bridges people into Web2 that don't even have to know that it's blockchain, right? They just know right. that they're getting secure, duplicated, backed up storage, encrypted, that is dramatically cheaper than what they get you know, from, so, from di directly using other so, providers. So think of the analog real quick before you go. So we talk about like banks and we talk about, you know, wiring and how expensive it is, how long it takes. And then, you know, Stellar or whomever, somebody comes along and it's 10 cents. So, you know, the banks, instead of charging 600, they charge 300, but they, the cost of goods sold to move it is, you know, 10 cents. So now think about Google, you go there and you pay your 20 bucks a year or whatever, and then they're offloading the storage in the secondary storage centers at like, you know, 97 cents. So they're pocketing that margin. So it's these kind of innovations where all of a sudden you're getting all the benefits you should have, the privacy and, and the deletes and all that kind of thing. But it also makes sense to the incumbent oligopolic providers. Yep. You know, it doesn't disrupt them in yep. the same way as, you know, a burn yep. down the bank's mentality. So yeah. the other last thing I'll say is I keep thinking about StreamYard. I thought you were going to mention that, but you know how they're perfect. always bumping up against storage limits yep. and things like that. And, you know, if there was a way where, you know, it would just automatically offload it into secondary storage and then when episodes got loaded, you know, old or you were going to back them up or something in some other way, you could take them down. I mean, that was the interesting thing to me, too, the paying you to take down stored files. Yeah, you yeah. Know, that monetization. So there's a lot of really cool stuff here to explore. And I, you know, I, I hope everybody who listens goes and reads that white paper. Max says we should compare and contrast with Akash. Uh, I have my interview with the founder of Akash coming out late this week, so uh, look forward to Ooh. that. But actually, I do see some comparisons there, and they they started as you know storage people, and that's what they are. But now they're moving into GPU and a bunch of other cool shit. I think they're higher on the enterprise end of things, but I think there's a lot of opportunity there. But definitely, uh, I think we should do a compare and contrast, Max. So, hey everybody, thanks so much for listening and watching. Really appreciate you all participating, Max Niblets, Euphoric, Sean. Thank you for being here today. Hope everyone has the great rest of their Monday evening, morning, afternoon, whatever it is for you and your part of the world. Um, look for this episode to be out with show notes and the links. Uh, don't forget about picking up that free Optimism money. Uh, it was a nice surprise this weekend, so you may have it and not even realize it. Um, please uh, uh, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Click the thumbs up um, or smash the thumbs up. Uh, click subscribe and the alerts bell on YouTube uh, so you get notified about new episodes. Joe, I hope you have a great day. Everybody else, thank you, you and too. I hope you have a great day. Best wishes to your mother-in-law. Thank you, well. sir. Thank you very much. All right, buddy. All right, take care. See you right tomorrow. Cheers. See you guys. Bye-bye.